0: starting a new series uh, this morning called Lipstick on a Pig. Now I don't know if you have ever heard that uh, phrase but uh, it was introduced to me about a year ago by um, someone who was uh, getting something done on their bicycle and uh, they had an older bicycle and the shop owner uh, after he wanted to spend some money on this said, said boy that's like putting lipstick on a pig, and, uh, and when I was told that story, I, it kind of just sat there and just started to marinate in my brain a little bit, and uh, I started looking at my life and different things that I did, and, and I looked at other people's lives, and, and we do that a lot. We do that a lot in our lives that we'll, we'll do some sort of facade, we'll do some sort of cosmetic uh, thing. Uh, to make people think that we have it all together or make something look like it's better than it really is. But really, at the end of the day, it's still our lives or that that aspect of our life is a pig. And uh, we're going to try to get real serious and real honest uh, about that through the course of the next several weeks and uh, see if we can't transcend uh, our, our uh predisposition to try to just put lipstick on a pig, but actually try to change the beast altogether. But before we jump into that, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody, preferably someone you do not know, and ask them this question. What are ways people put lipstick on a pig? Go for it. My first car was a 1977 Chevy Love uh, truck. It was a dream come true. Uh, had no power steering in it. And if you wanted to, like, get out of a parking space, I would literally sometimes have to have a friend help me move the wheel. But my second car, which I got really big time, was uh, I got an original first year 1986 Hyundai Excel. <laughs> the, the, the vinyl, The vinyl seats and everything that you would stick to and all that. And I was, like, so excited about this and... Uh, I went out and saved up my money, and and I got the windows tinted, and and uh, I put one of those like sports bras on the on the front and everything, and I thought I was like the coolest thing ever. And I rolled into school and uh, went up to a friend who uh, had a new uh, Volvo Sherraco. I don't know if you remember those, but they're pretty pretty cool. And uh, I said, "What do you think?" And looked at it and says, "It's still a Hyundai." <laughs> Yeah. And, I mean, the truth is, you know, if you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. And, you know, I, I asked, asked you guys if anybody had a pig to, to let me borrow it. And I didn't really have too much of a thought-through plan on this, but uh, I had some loving people come up to me and say, Mark, you know, you're from Los Angeles. And, yeah. I right. mean, have you ever been in the presence of a pig i 'm like no and and they 're like, "Have you ever touched a pig or or know anything about pigs i 'm like, "No, and they 're just like, "You know what you don 't want a pig <laughs> it 's just not going to work so i I appreciate everyone who offered pigs, uh, one even up to seven hundred pounds, which I thought would have been cool running around and would have been a neat. Little visual thing, and and we could add Steve O, try to put lipstick on it, and would have been a day that we would have not soon forgotten. But uh, we'll just have to use our our mind's eye to uh, imagine that. But I do have these two nice little piggies here, as they're not as impressive, but we can look at them, and it's probably a safer way to go. Well, Putting lipstick on the pig—it's not—it's—it's it's not something that that is new or anything. We we make judgments, uh, and people have been making judgments on facades for thousands and thousands of years. And to to begin our journey is to look at like how we do this and how we judge people from the exterior. I'd like you to turn to First Samuel chapter sixteen, and basically what we're having here is is Samuel. Uh, there. After the fiasco with Saul, who was the first king of of Israel, God is going to put in place a new king, and and that's David. And we start in in verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed." And that's really significant because Saul was a strapping young man. And when he walked in and and saw all of of the men in this family, and he knew that God was wanting him to choose one of them, he did the same thing that he did before. And and as we embark on this journey, as we embark on this journey, journey to really look at ourselves and try to not repeat the patterns of of the past, we have to realize that we have the tendency to do that. In fact, I heard somebody say the other day that people rarely fail in new ways. It's pretty profound if you think about it. We're We're not creative. You know, a lot of us, I mean, we find a way to fail and we stick to it. It just works all the time, and, and, and I am no different, so I'm definitely not standing up here and saying, hey, I got this all figured out. I'm not trying to elevate myself, but I just want to point out some different ways. You know, uh, one way is with our, with our work. Some of us repeatedly fail and go from job to job to job, and, and if you go back and look at it, we repeat those same patterns. Some of us, it's, it's with our weight and, and diet. That, that we go from diet to diet to diet and we do the same thing again and again and again and we wonder why our weight goes up and down, up and down. I've been there. We, we look at sometimes our relationships and we go from broken relationship to broken relationship to broken relationship. And we wonder why that is happening. And the truth is that we rarely... Fail in new ways. Now, the good news about that is if we're failing continually in an aspect of our, our life, we can probably find some common denominator that's going on. In, in Samuel's uh, failure here, he, he was judging people from the outside. I want to take you back to 1 Samuel chapter 10 when he initially made this, this decision. It says and in verse 21, And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, Where is he? And the Lord replied, He is hiding among the baggage. This is meant to be the new king of Israel. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is his equal. And all the people shouted, long live the king. I read that and I'm like, did they miss something? You know, if I'm looking for a leader and someone who, who who's going to lead lead my nation and and to lead us in the battle, it's probably not the guy hiding in the baggage. That probably speaks something to his character. That's something that may be foreshadowing what's going to happen in the future. And it's so interesting how they so quickly dismiss that. Oh, it's okay because... Look at how tall he is. He's a head above everyone else. That no one is his equal in height or hiding in baggage. People rarely fail in new ways. If we go back to 1 Samuel 16 and we continue. After he thought that the new tall guy was going to be the king. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not make decisions the way you do. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a person's thoughts and intentions. Thoughts and intentions, that's a translation out of a Hebrew word called leb. And basically that, translated the meaning of that is heart and not the the pounding heart but but the real self the real person that that your stature as a person is not based on on your height or your clothing or what you drive but it is based on your love on your heart the real true you In verse 8, Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shammah. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he is out in the fields watching the sheep. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was ruddy and handsome with pleasant eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. You see, many times we capture the vision for our lives based on what other people think of us. And our job as followers of Christ is to relentlessly pursue who God has created us to be, to pursue his vision for our lives and not to stop until we have captured that. But we have this problem. We have these pigs in our lives. For some of us, it's not treating our bodies as a temple of God. For some of us, it's, it's a, a lack of having quality time with the Lord. For, for some of us, we, we have deep emotional scars and we haven't healed from them and it's affecting every single one of our relationships. For some of us, we stopped learning long ago and we're the same person who we've been for years. And we, as a community, need to come together and challenge one another to Resist the temptation to fail in the same way that we have in the past, and to encourage one another to be the men and women that God has envisioned us to be. In order to do that, we have to get rid of the pig. Now the, the good news is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The second part standing says, And those who become Christians become new persons. The pig is gone. If we want, they are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone, a new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God. We brought God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. You see, the problem is. That Christ offers us this new life. But so many of us maybe accept the gift, maybe we'll even open it, but we never use it. And we fall back into the pattern of, of rejecting our new nature and going back to what's old and familiar. To those things that have caused us pain, those things that have broken us. But at least we know there's a cause and effect And at least there won't be any surprises when we end up in the same spot that we ended up before. For some reason, that gives us comfort. This newness, this unknown, this fully giving our life over to Christ and saying, you know what, God, you can have my all. I will go forward and relentlessly pursue who you've created me to be. scares us. To death. we need a new paradigm a different way in Mark chapter 12 verse 30 I think this is the paradigm as we as a church we that call us ourselves followers of Christ need to embrace to begin this journey and it is a time where, People are trying to trick Jesus into tripping up on what he says and the religious rulers of the day who hated him and eventually killed him. Wanted to know, what is the most important thing as someone who's a child of God? What is the most important thing? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he goes on to talk about serving and loving your neighbors. But he says four things here. He says, look, you need to be a worshiper and you need to worship God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And in in our terminology, the heart is the emotions. Loving God with your emotional self, your emotional well-being. Loving God with your soul, your spirit. Loving God with your mind, with your intellect, honoring Him. And honoring God with your physical, your strength. And not, I think this time of year, New Year's, you know, we we have this tendency to set New Year's resolutions. This year I'm going to lose weight, or this year I'm going to make more money, or this year I'm going to save or this year I'm going to get out of debt and all those things are really good things but essentially what they're doing is putting lipstick on a pig and we are going to fail again in the same ways that we have failed in the past unless we get rid of the pig and embrace a new paradigm and the new paradigm is to look not at one aspect, not to look at a facade of our lives, not try to work on the thing that's most glaring to other people that they judge us on. But take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to embark on a journey where I am going to deal with the real and total self. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're not going to be looking at one aspect of our lives. We're going to be looking at the whole life. And we're going to be encouraging one another to outburst of love and good deeds to move closer to that image, that vision that God has for our lives. And I want to just leave you with five things, five concrete things that we usually cause us to fail. The first one is, we're not clear on the goal. We set out on a journey. I want to make more money. Or I want to lose weight. Or I want to have better relationships. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. How much more money? How much weight do you want to lose what what kind of relationships what what is it going to look like and as we embark on this journey we are we are going to concretely look at having an end result of being closer to heart and mind of god to to be having tangible steps where we're working on our emotional well-being that we're working on our intellect that we're working on our our spirit and we're working on our strength and putting it all together. The second reason that people fail is fear. Fear of success and fear of failure. It's kind of funny you have a fear of failure and it causes you to fail. It's a it's a vicious cycle. Some of us have a fear of success because you know what happens when you succeed? People have expectations of you. And it's hard to live with expectations. And it's much easier for us just to live a nondescript life. But when we do that, we're settling and we're missing the abundant life that Jesus wants us to have. The next one is that we give up too early. I see this time and time and time again. You name it, people give up too early. It takes time to change. When I came to faith and I was 24 years old and I went to a a counselor and I was there like, it was like my second week. And I was like, hey, I. When am I going to feel all better? I want to be a whole, you know. I've been here two weeks, man. And he said something that was very discouraging, but it was true. He said, look, it took you 24 years to screw your life up this much. It's going to take at least that to start getting you to a place to undo what you've done. To undo those patterns that you've put in life, those ways of failing. So let's see. That would be forty eight. I'm thirty eight. I got ten more years before I I hopefully am becoming more of the image of Christ. But there's been amazing growth and you see amazing growth in that in that time. But you know what, there were so many times when I wanted to quit. When I drive here in the in the morning, there's a program and I've talked about it before called Legends of Success where where they they inter uh, John Resnick uh, interviews uh, people who who have been amazingly successful. People like Truett Cathy of Chick-fil-A and uh Caraba's uh, owner and just all sorts of different businesses and, and, and different walks of life and it's always interesting There's always a time in the story where the person wanted to quit. Everything was going wrong. They weren't seeing any progress, and they just wanted to walk away for the whole thing. But they didn't. And the cool thing is, if they did, we would have never heard of them. There would have never been a Carabas. There would have never been a Chick-fil-A. There wouldn't have been any of these things. Anything worth doing, there is going to be obstacles. There's these ups and downs in life. Have you ever, like, watched House or something like that, and you see, uh, what's it called, the EKG? that goes up and down, right? The, the heartbeat goes up and down, up and down, and up and down. That's life. That's a That's a picture of life. And what happens when that line goes flat? You're done. You've assumed room temperature. You've kicked the bucket. There is no more. If you want a flat-line life, you want death. Life is full of ups and downs. It's the very nature of life. And you cannot give up at the bottom. The next one, and this is against every self-help book you'll ever read, People fail because they trust themselves. They trust themselves. You know what? When I learned not to trust myself, that's when I got on the path to healing. Because, you know what? My instinct is to be self-destructive. The whole reason that we're in debt and we have broken relationships is because we trusted ourselves. You're untrustworthy, flat out. Prove it to me, something different. The truth is we're untrustworthy and we need a higher bar, a higher standard, something that is outside of ourselves to get our compass. Here we call that the creator of the universe and his word that he has given us. and the people that he has put around us who are farther along the journey. we can't trust our feelings. They betray us. We're too mixed up in our past hurt and brokenness, and it just piles on it each other. And then the final reason that we fail is because we don't have any support. The worst thing that we can do is to embark on this journey and not tell anybody that you're doing it. That's why it's so important that after this gathering, you sign up for a growth group that is going to be going on this journey. So you can sit in a group that's on the same path as you and can look at you in the eye and say, what are you reading? How are you building your intellect? What are you doing to, to, to help with that emotional brokenness, to get healthy, to work in, on different things? What are you doing to to build your relationship with God? And how are you taking care of God's temple? We need to hold each other one up and give support because together we will succeed. But we've shown time and time again when we trust ourselves and we just want to do it in our own world, I guarantee you, not that I don't believe in you, because I do, but I believe more in the system that God has set up. And God has set us up to live life in community and relationship with him and others to push us closer. To the vision that he has for our lives. I'd like you guys, to pray with me, and and uh, we're gonna watch uh, just a four-minute video, and then the band's gonna come up and just uh, lead us into uh, some musical worship. And I really pray that you take this journey seriously. I really pray that you will open up your lives, each and every one of us, and allow us to be transformed, that we will resist the temptation to continually putting lipstick on a pig. But we will accept the transformation, the new life, and adopt the new paradigm that God has set in for us. Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray for each and every person here as we begin on a scary journey a journey that will require us to release the I can'ts, to release the things that we have held on to and the patterns that we have adopted, the ones that repeatedly have led us to failure, but at least they're familiar. God, I just pray for courage and bravery. I pray for proactiveness that we will embark on this journey together. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.